I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney. Next to me, as always, is Matt. Hello. Welcome, welcome back, welcome for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. So, today we are finally talking about something we have been saying we're going to do an episode on for for a while now. We're gonna. We're gonna, 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 going to do this episode, but we have finally sat down and gone through the research and put our heads together and come up with a fantastic episode for you guys on habits. Well, at least the first part of it, because this is a big discussion. Yes. Just because, uh, as, as we're going to sort of unpack uh, just how much of a role in anyone's transformation or weight loss efforts, habits play, it is, I'd say the number, no, not I'd say, it is without question uh, the number the number one influence Yeah. on someone's actual outcome. And in many cases, is the easily identifiable reason why someone has failed yeah, absolutely. at their attempts. Can I also say that, yes, it has taken us entirely too long to get to this discussion, but we've timed it well because this is episode 75. Is it? It is. Uh, of our, uh, our fine podcast, or as we like to say, the best podcast ever. <laughs> Just ask us. Yes. So we've waited till 75 to get it done, which means we're getting close towards 100. Yes. Which means you and I will need to be talking pretty soon about what do we actually do for our 100th episode. Have to have a 100 episode party. Or maybe we do it live. Ah, we could. Have we figured out what date the 100th episode ends on? Well, given this is episode 75, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, dear, we are a weekly show. So my deduction, (laughs) my mathematical genius tells me we've got 24 more weeks to figure this out. Great. Does that help? Oh my gosh. Anyway. Okay, cool. So now we've got that out of the way. Yes, it is finally time to actually unpack and have a discussion about habits. This is going to be a multi-part um, discussion. I would probably say the way with, with what we're dealing with here, to make it uh, digestible for yourself and not try and just cram everything in at once and also to avoid having a five-hour podcast. Yes. I suspect this will be a three-parter. Yes. However... We may be really good and get it done in just two parts. Uh, if so, don't blame us. We're very, very good at over-promising and under-delivering. That's just <laughs> what we do. But without question, it's a multi-part discussion. So habits, as, as we sort of touched on just before, are the make or break factor when it comes to someone's outcome with weight loss. So I'll probably start the discussion, Courtney, by asking you, just to give your sort of initial reaction or your initial thought, or how, what are habits to you? What are they? Well, habits to me, or whenever I think of habits, I think of patterns. So patterns in my life. 
So everything we do in our lives have certain patterns. So it's, it's a habit to get up in the morning and go to work. It's a habit to eat. It's a habit to, oh, I don't know, insert action here. Pick the kids up from school. Not that I do that, but you know what I mean. It, everything in our life has habits and they become habits through repetition. So they start off with just a task. So picking the kids up from school starts off as a task that you need to get done. Then it becomes a habit because you find yourself driving to school without even thinking about it. It's It just becomes part of your life. It's just what you do. It's the same thing with work. Work starts off as a task. You know, if you don't enjoy what you do, it can sometimes be a really boring shit task to do. But whether you enjoy or you don't enjoy your work, at some point it's going to become a habit and you just go to work without even thinking otherwise. It's not even a question of, am I going to go to work today? You just do it because it's just a part of your life. So it's the same thing when you stop and eat lunch. Most of us wouldn't even think about stopping to eat lunch while we're at work. You know, you've got a lunch break, you know, most people, when you talk about which, even if people are under eaters in day-to-day life, you'd say, well, do you stop and eat lunch at work? And most people would say yes, because there's a structured stopping point during the workday. You stop, you have lunch, and that's just become a habit. That's just what you do. So to me, it habits are tasks which have happened so frequently that they've become just like second nature. You just do it out of habit. Well said. So you would say upwards of half the things we do each day is actually a habit, even though we may like to think we're fully in control in terms of the decisions that we make, the actions that we take. Up to half of what we do each day is a habit. So the first one I want you to think about, and we'll use ourselves here uh, as an example. First thing you do in the morning, when you wake up, I suspect that you, myself, Courtney, can pretty easily recite the exact routine we have on any given morning. So mine, for example, when I first wake up, here's my, here's my habit. Turn my phone on, go to the toilet, get dressed, eat breakfast. That is the routine every single day. Let the dog out to go to the toilet. And there it will, that, that's, the one, that's the one that we're now inserting into it. Yes. But that, those, the, those are the things that I'm getting done all the time because sometimes you let the dog out, mm. not me. Mm. But as a minimum, that's what I'm doing all the time. And that's a routine that I've had in place or a habit I've had in place now for so long I can't remember when I didn't. Probably when I, when I never used to have breakfast, I would say. Yeah. So what about you, Courtney? What's the first thing you do when you wake up? What's your routine? I go to the bathroom. So you don't check your phone? Like, what's your your morning habit? No, I would get up and I would go to the bathroom first. Yep. Then I would come back and check my phone to make sure that it's actually like... Because sometimes I might wake up before my alarm. So I would go to the toilet. I'd come back and check what time it was to see whether I would actually had to get up yet. Then I would let the dog out to go to the toilet. And then I would go and make breakfast. All right. So that's something you wouldn't even think about now, yeah? No, that's just what I do. It's what you do. But that's what you've done that's been formed over some period of time, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. As you said, we've obviously haven't had our dog for too long. We're coming up to, what, 
um, about six months, seven months we've had him for. So that has been a recently inserted habit. Just just before we continue, on the subject of dogs, could you just share the fantastic name for our dog that we have? Well, we call him Winston. No, that's his name. However, his full name is Sir Winston Pugglesworth II. He's a pug. He's a pug. So after much debate on names, one of us came up with the brilliant name for our dog, Sir Winston Pugglesworth II. Well, it came up because Matt wanted to call him Pugglesworth, and I said, you can't call a pug Pugglesworth. That's, yes, you buddy can. You can't. You can't do that. That's more of a last name than a first name. And so then, of course, is. because I said that, he decided that it was going to be his last name and that we were going to have a dog that had a first and a last name. And so we both, we couldn't agree on any names. We finally agreed on the name Winston. So that had to be the name because it was the only name that we both liked. And then Matt decided that it was more regal if we made him a sir. And then he also decided that it was definitely more more gentleman Gentlemanly. If he had a second next to his name at the end. So well, <laughs> that the, is how the name came about. Mr. Pugglesworth is distinguished. Sir. Sir Pugglesworth, yeah, I should know. <laughs> Get your my name. dog's name wrong that I made up. <laughs> so anyway, that's just a bit of a diversion to say, mm, best dog name ever. Anyway, so yes, we've had, we haven't had our dog for, for too long. So that is naturally become part of our morning routine. It wasn't there before, but it's easily been just placed into the morning routine. Hasn't made a difference to anything else we do in the morning. It's just sort of added in. Now then, so we've just spoken about apart from a slight digression, hmm. spoken about our morning routine. So, Courtney, can you sort of identify uh, any other habits you have in place through the day in terms of like gym habits, TV habits, sleeping habits? Well, all of those things have habits. So but yours in particular, I, what your I get are. up quite early. So I will, after my morning routine, I usually am off to run a gym class at our gym. So I will head off and do that. Then I will come home. Matt, by the time I get home, is wake, woken up usually and he's in the process of having his breakfast or he's had his breakfast. Then I will generally make myself a cup of coffee and sit down and just relax for a little bit because not long after that, we'll be going to the gym to do our own workout. So then we go to, our, to the gym, we'll do our own workout, come home, I'll eat again and then I'll sit down and start to look at what sort of jobs on the computer I need to get for the day, uh, what tasks I need to get done, any messages I need to answer, uh, any emails I need to answer and just go through sort of a bit of a plan of attack as to what I need to get done in the day and then sort of work out what I'm going to tackle first and get into it from there. That will take up generally the sort of bulk part of my um, midday sometimes I'll have a podcast on or something like that running while I do my work um, I'll be eating the usual times I eat during the day and then when it comes to late afternoon into evening I usually head back to the gym to run our p.m. gym classes and then I usually come home and watch some tv before going to bed well said so I want you uh, to also have a think about your morning routine and see if you can lay out in your own mind what it is step by step because we're going to sort of 
return back to that towards the end of this particular episode when we actually break down uh, something that's called the habit loop and then start to teach you how you actually can identify certain aspects of the habits that you've got because then the discussion in a subsequent episode or two will become how we actually can reprogram these things over time. So the definition, you know, the way we'd like to you know, sort of define a habit is that it's something that you do unconsciously. So a habit is a choice that you're going to make deliberately until you stop thinking about it and start doing it. Mm-hmm. Another easy example, Courtney, is actually learning to drive a car. Yeah, absolutely. When you first learn to drive a car, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about everything. Everything. Don't so, crash. Not, yeah, don't crash, but <laughs> turn also... Turn your window wipers on. Turn uh, the blinker on. You know, what gear mirror, am I... Are my mirror set correctly? Yeah. Are yeah. My, is my foot on the, on the correct pedal at the right time? You're watching out for other cars. Uh, you're watching out for lights, red lights, green lights, etc. You're also watching out for those annoying cyclists. Uh, that take up too much room on the road. <clears throat> Different discussion altogether. <laughs> but you're thinking about everything that you're doing. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Now, say you've driven your car for mm, six, eight, 12 months. What are you then thinking about while you're driving your car? You're thinking about everything else but actually driving your car. Yeah, you definitely think less and less. The more years you drive, the less and less you think about what you're doing no, you and think, the more you think about everything else well, in you your life. You think about where you're going, what your plan is, what you have to do, what you're getting done. You're not thinking about those things that are on your mind when you first learned to drive because those things have become habits. Yes. You've done them enough through choice that you don't need to think about them anymore. And the same thing applies to the habits that lead us to become overweight, unhealthy, unhappy, etc., because Courtney and I have spoken a lot about scales uh, or in most cases not really using them because so many people get caught up in the number and this is what really forms the crux of our argument with that and why we don't really subscribe to weighing our clients because the, the number isn't the problem, it's the habits that got them there. Yes. So we've just sort of had a bit of a discussion here about what exactly is a habit. So we know that a habit is something done or something, an action repeated enough that it becomes an unconscious routine. Yes. Okay, cool. Now, I'll start with another question for you here, wife. Yes. Through your experience personally and any experience you want to share as a trainer, how have you seen habits work against people with their weight loss goals or yourself? Well, I think not acknowledging that there's habits there to be changed, I think is a big one for a lot of people. So obviously when you talk about losing weight in the first place, if you asked if you asked 100 people, you know, what the most important thing in weight loss is, I bet you all 100 people would not say your habits. Uh, it'll be along the lines of exercise more, eat less, or a combination thereof, yeah? It'll be related to what food you're eating, what exercise you're doing. Counting th- calories. That sort of stuff. Yep. Anything related to those sort of topics would be the answers. But very few people are ever going to say to you, oh, it's all about your habits. Because most people don't value them very highly. Well, to be fair though, the, the exercise and, and you know, eat, exercise more, eat less is what you would consider the lowest hanging fruit. Correct. On the tree where the, the discussion of habits is the one up at the highest part of the tree. That's also hard to get to. Correct. 
But the thing is that most people come into then transformations not even thinking about their habits. So then when you bring it up and you force people to start thinking about their habits, there is a sometimes a skepticism. Um, there is a sometimes barrier to actually really look at in, in with really sort of open eyes what you're doing and why you're doing it and, and having to analyse that. And I think that, that also comes down to being able to have that sort of long-term mindset rather than just a quick fix style mindset. So that sometimes does make it hard when you are talking to clients about habits and encouraging them to look at it. That is somewhere there. Some people do find it very hard to change their habits, which is just a, a a total sort of either denial that they have an issue with it or a certain habit, or that they're just unwilling to work on a particular habit. You know, for from from my experience, the best example of that is mm. uh, is when I've sat across from a an overweight person. Yes whose goal is, in their own words, to lose X number of kilos or X number of clothing sizes, who also say to me that they eat healthy. Mm. <laughs> you get what I'm, you get, you smell what I'm cooking on that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's an absolute, it's, it, it's like the, it's like the smokers will tell us that, that the smoking isn't that bad because of all this other stuff that they do. <laughs> so it's not the problem, you know? So it, 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 it's really convenient for a lot of people to sort of make up excuses for certain habits or and then up, yeah. be unwilling to deal with them. So that is a, often a, a places where people can really fall down when it comes to habits. And that's fine. It I is think, fine yeah. because everyone's at their own their own sort of uh, level of, of readiness in terms of being truly ready to change. Correct. But you it can't is, force people on people. No, you can't and you shouldn't even try to. However... It is worth stating here officially that a person's habits can be you know, an insurmountable roadblock to long-term success. Yes. It can, you, what, your, our habits by themselves can completely fuck any goals that we have for change. Correct. Correct. They can completely derail the entire process. It doesn't matter how good you are at working out. It doesn't matter how well, good, how good you your are. your intentions are. Correct. That's what I was looking for. And no matter how good your intentions are, if you're unwilling to focus on particular habits that might come up, and there are so many different ones, not just the obvious one of, oh, I have the habit of going out on the weekends and eating shit food and drinking too much alcohol. Oh, no. It's a, it's a deep rabbit hole. There's a lot of other habits that go into it in terms of not just physically what you're doing in the moment, but also there can be habits related to how you deal with situations in your life and how that affects then what you do. It can, it can um, change depending on your mood. Um, there's so many different things that can change your habits in your life that it really does take a lot of investigation and a lot of work and a lot of patience because some of these habits don't pop up until you're actually going through um, the process. All right. So let's sort of move forward in this discussion. I'll bring you back into this one in a sec, Courtney, so I need your, your thoughts on something. Actually, I need it right now. So let's let's talk about. Well, we've spoken about a snap point, or we've spoken about having a why. So the why or the snap point is, and you've had this, Courtney, yourself, as have I. Let's say for you, Courtney, your snap point before you came to me was when you had your sister's wedding. Well, it was close around that time that I knew I wanted to do something. But didn't yeah. you have photos of yourself that you saw that you were horrified at? 
theater engagement party and that then I the tried one, yeah. I tried to do it myself for a little while after that and then I got a, 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 some little results but nothing sustainable and then it sort of went back on again and I couldn't I couldn't do it myself and then that's when I reached out but the but the photos from the engagement party when you saw them they were what sort of snapped you into action that I had to do something yeah okay so from your perspective Courtney having lived it yourself and also worked with people as a trainer, can you sort of illustrate in your own words why you think a snap point or finding your why is so important? Finding your why is so important because the entire process is long and it's boring and it's hard and it hurts and it sucks <laughs> a lot of the time. <laughs> so if you don't find that why... Hashtag keeping it real. Well, it does. Most of the time it sucks. And a lot of the time it's really long and that makes it suck even more. So no one goes into a situation like that. If you've got a half-hearted goal, well, of course you're just going to stop. I mean, that's human nature. You're not going to go through pain and you're not going to go through emotional problems. You're not going to go through the patience that it takes to look into your habits and, and to make changes to habits, which is not a fast process. You're not going to go through all of this stuff if you just sort of kind of want to maybe should make a change. Right. So stop me if this scenario sounds familiar. Let's say you've had that moment where you've seen a photo of yourself and you're horrified because chances are you have done your damnedest to avoid photos, to avoid mirrors, to avoid reflective panels of glass at the shops as best as you can to, I suppose, cushion yourself from what you know to be true, but it's easier not to face the facts if you don't see it until it's thrown in front of you in a photo and you realize, fucking hell, I look like shit. And you hate it. Now, from that, often will come that decision to change. So the decision to change will come in the form of all right, I'm going to start this diet program. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get a personal trainer. I'm going to go to this boot camp. Something along those lines. And you're off and running for a good what? A couple of weeks, maybe a month. You're hitting it hard. You're doing your best. But then things start to get in the way. So you may have started a new job. You may be in the habit or in the process of leaving an old job. There may be uh, issues at home, be it uh, an existing relationship, be it a new relationship, be it the timetable of being a parent and the obligations that come with having kids, etc. And all of a sudden, things just start to slip in the way. And then all those sessions you were hitting at the gym, you're hitting them, you know, five, six, seven days a week, you were killing it couple of weeks later you start to slide you miss a few sessions here and there and you start to miss them more frequently then all of a sudden you're finding yourself at home where for a couple of weeks you were being strict on yourself and you know trying to be 100% perfect whatever that means and your choices start to slide away as well so let's say you were at the start doing your own sort of meal preparation, getting your food ready for yourself. As the time goes by, you're starting to find that you're missing gym sessions and you're also stopping at the drive-through 
a few more times than you normally would. Then say a month later, you're back to where you started. You haven't been to the gym. You're back eating the same old food and the same old routine. That sound familiar? Yeah, I think it would sound familiar for a lot of people. It does to me. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it does for you, Courtney. Yes. Uh, and for you listening as well. And you've got you sort of gone back into your old habits until that snap point happens again. You see another photo of yourself and you have a meltdown. Or you go to put on your favorite pair of jeans that you haven't worn for a couple of months and they don't do up anymore. Mm. Or your favorite shirt in the back of the cupboard, you brought it out because you had a night out with your friends and it doesn't fit. And what happens then? The process begins again. Okay, I've had my snap point. Let's go back to the gym, that membership I got. Oh, I forgot about that. Let's go and restart that. And all of a sudden you're on the same, the same circle again. So the reason I've brought up that scenario is because yes, Courtney and I will talk a lot about finding your why. And we will talk all day about how important it is to have your snap point because you have to have it. Mm -hmm. You have to have it. But think of it, the best way to think of your snap point or having that real powerful reason to change, because keep in mind there is a difference between making the decision to change and having the reason to do it. Mm. Yes, you may have that powerful reason to change because you don't like what you are or you don't like who you are, you don't like what you see, okay. Think of that like a match that you've just struck. Mm. The match has been lit. However, we, to make this a long-term successful journey, we want to take this struck match and turn it into a bonfire. So having your snap point and having that powerful reason why you want to change is striking the match. But we need to then take this lit match and turn it into the inferno. That's where the habits come in. Make sense? Sure does. And this is where I, as a trainer and myself personally, have seen this undo so many people's fantastic intentions. Because the match has been lit and they start things very, very well for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, until all of a sudden what they do either becomes unsustainable or shit gets in the way. Yeah, something in your life changes. It could be a multitude of things that get that happen well i tend to find the the common causes will be work family yeah. relationships pick your order here it doesn't matter but those tend to be the three culprits yes now obviously we're not going to sit here and say well you know to successfully lose weight you must not have a job you must not have a family or you must not have a relationship that's a lot of shit no, However, and you're never gonna, and you're never gonna stop things in your life from happening. You're never no. gonna stop stresses from happening. Shit will always happen. Mm. However, when these things start to get in the way, the first thing that tends to slide backwards is what we're doing for ourselves, and we go back into our old habits and our old routines. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you think about how long you had the habits that you've got now for. Like, how long have you been eating? shit food or how long have you been um drinking sugary drinks sitting on the couch or how long have you not exercised for mm. or how long it has it been normal for you to come home after work and do nothing 
or how long has it not been normal for you to do nothing on the weekends or you know insert thing here however long it's been normal for you to do those things is you're not going to change it any faster than that and I think that that's often where the misconception comes in too that people just think you know we, we we're funny creatures us humans and we tend to have really uh selective memories and so we remember things the way that we want to remember them and we think about things in terms of the way that it's convenient for us to think about things because remember the brain's a funny thing and the brain's a really powerful tool and the brain is going to protect you from being would try to protect you from being upset or or sad or, or or get hurt or all these sort of things so you're not going to always think of things in the same way so when we think about changing habits and this sort of thing we often think about them in the most convenient terms which is oh it'll happen really quickly oh it'll be fine but you conveniently don't remember about how long you used to do the the habit for so the habit you've got now you've done for what matt five ten twenty years Mm. the the longer the longer the habit has been ingrained in our life the harder it is often to reprogram. Yes. Which is so often why uh, people that have struggled with their weight for decades will find it harder more often than not than someone who has, say, been overweight for the last 12 months. Yeah. Because decades worth of habits, depending on the person and depending on the habit, can take years to reprogram. Fully, yeah. And that's also, in terms of, let's say... You, you talk about how often we get our backs up about quick fixes and short-term programs. This is why. Mm. This is precisely why Courtney and I crack the shits and we'll yell out to anyone that wants to listen why quick fixes are fucked and why they're a good cash grab for the people selling them. But for, for you, for me, for Courtney, they don't fucking work because they're not addressing what is actually working against you, which is your habits. So this goes back to what I said before about finding your why and having that reason to change is lighting the match. But to make it a gigantic fire, what then has to be worked on bit by bit, one by one, step by step, are the habits that have led you to where you are over the last couple of months, years, decades. Mm-hmm. That's how it actually works. So that's that from a, a discussion about quick fixes, that's the main reason why we're so against them because long-term, it doesn't address anything. That's also why Courtney and I, for example, gives a bit of our inside baseball here. When we work with our clients, we have no interest in working with anyone unless it's for at least 12 months because of this issue. Yeah. Because we need to help someone and support and guide someone for at least 12 months to help them start to reprogram their bad habits into good habits and then give them the time and the support they need to make them stick. This is also why you see so many people, let's talk about the the before, after, and after, after photos. I'm sure Courtney and I know people like this, and I'm sure you do too, the friend or the family member that has had a fantastic uh, weight loss effort but then six months later, 12 months later, has put it all back on plus more. Mm. Now, this doesn't happen because someone doesn't give a shit. People don't choose for that to happen. It happens because not enough time was spent working on the habits that they've been building. They then start to slide back into those bad old habits 
and find that, oh shit, I'm, I'm gradually undoing the hard work that I've done previously. Hmm. You find that funny? Yeah, well, no, but you know, it's just funny because well, it's fu- so it's, true. It's funny because it's true. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite sayings there. Yes. So that, that's part of why we won't work with anyone for, for less than 12 months because it's like we're setting you up to fail. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we've always said that there's a lot of different ways you can lose weight. There's not just one way on the planet that you can lose there's weight. There's always more than one way to skin a cat. But in the end, what we're talking about and part of the crux of this entire podcast reason for being is permanent, sustainable change. Not This isn't like the weight loss in 21 days podcast. Mm. And it's also not really congruent to our own personal journeys. Like it has taken us years to get to where we are. And we're still learning, we're still applying, we're still growing, as you will be too. But just from the discussion of, of quick fixes, that's why they're fucking shit. Yeah. Because in the end, they'll take your money and they'll fix your bank account in the wrong direction. But from a long-term solution standpoint, you can't do squat. You can't do squat in a short-term period of time. And that's why we, we question those things so much. So then moving on, spoke about... You know what is a snap point, and how does it how does it work, and then how does it then relate to changing your habits to take that strong reason why you want to change and making it actually stick, and making those good intentions stick over a period of time. I want to now move on to, I suppose, the mechanics of how habits work, mm. because before I get into it, it is worth saying that yes, your habits are the make or break thing that will determine your weight loss success long-term or lack thereof. Mm. And they are an extremely powerful force that affect at least half of what we do every single day of our lives. However, they are not uncontrollable and they are not unstoppable. And that's really the reason why the discussion about this is being had with us is because... Once you understand how a habit actually works, how it works, why it works, you can then start to think to yourself with an application and a view to your own habits, how you can actually change them. Hmm. So what we're going to get into now is a bit of a discussion about what is called, well, the habit loop and a discussion about how the habit loop works. So just keep in mind that with a habit, they occur because the brain likes to seek and store these routines because it makes it easier to function that way. It uses less energy. Yeah, our brains like structure. Yep. And that means as humans, we like structure too. Mm. So some habits are easier to form than others. Uh, An easy example, as I said before, is learning to drive a car. Learning to reverse your car. Reversing your car is a little hard at the start. Mm. Not after a while, it's not. I mean, all I do now is reverse my car. Mm. Your brain takes a series of actions based on cues. So it'll take a cue and then it'll turn that cue into a routine. Now we'll get to that in a sec. So talking about this thing called the habit loop. The habit loop has three parts, and I just gave two of them away. The first one is a cue or a trigger. So let's 
let's talk about a habit here. I'll use one of my... I shall give two examples, Courtney. One of mine, one of yours. Mm-hmm. I want to give an example of a bad habit that both of us either have or have had. Mm-hmm. And then break it down in terms of the habit loop. Okay. For me, the easiest one I can talk about, an old bad habit of mine, was when I was first... I'm using the quotation symbols here, trying to lose weight. <laughs> trying, you know what I think about that. Trying. Trying. Trying to lose weight. What would happen is I would go to work in the morning and in my mind would have in my head that I'm going to go to the gym after I've been to work. Now, often what would happen because at the time when I was first trying to lose weight, I was working in retail. Anyone that has worked in retail will know how fluid, unpredictable, and oftentimes chaotic that can be. And in a lot of cases, how stressful it can be. Especially if you don't have much self-esteem, any sort of negative experience can set you off. So I'd have the the thought in my mind of going to work, finishing my my shift at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, whatever, and then going to the gym. However, what would happen is I would have some sort of particularly stressful encounter, experience at work. I would then tell myself, I've had a bad day. I'm tired. I just haven't got it in me. And I would go straight home, avoiding the gym, to play PlayStation and eat junk food. That was the habit. So there, in terms of the habit loop, the habit loop has three parts. The cue, the routine, the reward. Now look at that habit I just spoke about. So what was the cue or the trigger? The trigger was the bad day at work. Yeah, the stress. The stressful encounter, the argument with the boss, or in my case, usually being yelled at by the boss for something I've done wrong, uh, or a negative encounter with a customer or another staff member or a mistake that I made, insert insert something negative here, would then trigger the routine. The routine was to then tell myself, I'm stressed, I'm tired, I've got it in me, I'm going to go home. So the routine would be me driving home past the gym for my reward, and I use that term loosely, but my reward was to go home, play PlayStation and eat potato chips and drink Coke. That was the habit in its entirety. And how did you change it? We'll get to that. Oh, we're not going to get to that now? We'll get to that. Leaving the people hanging. We're to- right now we're talking about how the habit loop works. I think the next episode we'll talk about how to actually reprogram it. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. So in terms of mine, I could use um, a quite a few uh, different examples. Pick, pick, pick an easy one to, to illustrate. Well, I won't pick a gym one then because you did a gym one. But mine was, I did have gym ones where I wouldn't go to the gym as well. But I Is it a will, similar sort of loop though? Yeah, well with mine it was more so that I would not have um, structure. So I would just go home after work and then a couple of times a week I would decide when I wanted to go to the gym. And if I, similar thing, if I got home and I was tired or you know, if my sister wasn't going to the gym, I would just not go. Well, you're right in that I sort of slow your thunder on that one. 
Could you potentially give an example here about your binge eating slash emotional eating Well, yes, eating that's days? what I was going to do. So okay. since you did the, the gym, I think I'll do the eating example, okay. which is I was a massive binge sweets eater. So the cue often would come in when I, or the cue or the trigger would come in when I was upset or I was bored. I was very much a negative emotional eater. So I wouldn't really overeat in celebration for things. I would overeat and binge whenever I was feeling negative or whenever there was negative things happening. So it would be that I was just down on myself, that nothing necessarily significant had happened other than me in my own head just being down on myself. I suffered from um, quite bad anxiety when I was in my late teens, early 20s. So it could literally just be um, a bit of a anxiety bout that I was going through and I'd convince myself that bad things were going to happen and I was in my own head and I was telling myself how ugly and you know, I was and, and I was really down on myself. It could have been, again, something stressful happening at work. It could have been, I never was never a person, I've always had the personality where I didn't like to disappoint people. So if I felt like someone was disappointed in me, that would often trigger me on that sort of spiral. So that was always my trigger or my cue. Then the routine would be to go and get sweets. So to go and get chocolate or... Um, we always had in our house growing up, we always had chocolate and lollies and, and ice cream, things like that. However, I got to the point where I was eating so much of it in one one session that I would go out and I would buy my own because otherwise I would literally eat everything in the house and then obviously my mum would know what I had done. So I would go out and I would, when I was in my late teens to early 20s, uh, I was living not far from a server, from a supermarket to the point where I could walk there. Um, so I would go to the supermarket and I would buy a litre of ice cream and I would buy chocolate. Um, I wasn't really a chips or, or a Coke sort of a girl, but it was chocolate and ice cream were my biggest problems. And I would take it home and I would go straight into my room and I would just eat it all. And then I would hide the rubbish afterwards. So that was my reward for what I was doing. My feeling bad about myself, you know, it was my reward to cheer me up was eating. So I had the cue or the trigger, which was being down on myself or being upset or being stressed or being anxious. Their routine was then to tell myself, Oh, that's okay. We know how to we know how to cheer you up. My routine was always just go and get sweet food. I wanted sweet food. It was it was how I was going to chew myself up. That was just the routine. Mm. And then I would my reward was to eat it all. I think the reward though was the feeling you had of satisfaction or almost safety. Correct. It came from it. Yeah, it was it was completing the cycle of how am I going to cheer myself up, go and get the food, eat it all. The satisfaction is, well, now I've completed it. Like, I've, I've come full circle. This is what I had to do. I've done it. You know, I should be feeling better. But, of course, as we know, it doesn't make you feel any better in the long run. But in that moment, that was I, – I had convinced myself that it would make me feel better. 
So then your what, what's happened there is in terms of the habit loop, cue, routine, reward, discussing the reward, uh, your brain has then decided that that particular pattern, that particular habit is worth keeping. Correct, which is, which is ironic when it comes to a lot of these habits because it shoots yourself in the foot, be, the foot because part of that routine and that reward then contributes to the next trigger because it, conti- it constantly contributes to the fact that then I still hate myself because I'm still fat and ugly. And then I'm not helping myself by doing what I'm doing, but it doesn't, there's nothing in my brain that tells me that. There's nothing in my brain that says you're actually literally going around in a circle because the cue is that you're upset with yourself, that you hate yourself or you're going through anxiety or, or you're not dealing with stress properly because I don't have any self-confidence. So then my routine is to go and get shit food and eat it. My reward is to eat that good food because I've just completed the cycle and I feel good about that until the next day when I wake up and I realize that I've just contributed to making myself fat and ugly again. So it's just a constant routine and and then it's also embarrassment because of what I've just done so then that's it contributing to the next trigger than when it's going to come around again because I know what I was doing was wrong the amount of sweets and the amount of junk food I was eating I knew it was wrong that's why I went out and bought separate food to my family and I ate it and then hid the rubbish well was the cue you having no self-esteem and having anxiety or was the cue a negative experience? Well, it would happen on different different levels. Both of those things would contribute to it. Okay. Um, so there were times where it would literally just be my own anxiety and my own low confidence and my own, uh, my own inner voice telling me that, you know, that I was not attractive and that I was um, fat and that I would be really putting myself down. And there were other times where the anxiety that I felt or the stress that I felt was triggered by uh, something that happened at work or, you know, something stressful that happened in my life. Mm. Um, So there were two different cues there, but they ended up having the same routine and the same reward. Yeah, okay. So we've both given examples there of uh, a particular bad habit that we've had. Mm. And we've broken it down in terms of the habit loop in terms of the cue, the routine, the reward. What I'm going to do is shelve this discussion until the next episode. But what we want you to do now, between now and the next episode, is to have a think about habits that you may have that you think are working against you in your weight loss goals. And I think as well, it's important, Matt, to also note that what we just did are quite big sort of heavy style um, habits but some people's, you might come up with certain habits in your life that you might feel are, oh, that's not important enough, but they're all important. So it doesn't matter how, how little you think the, the trigger is or how you think it doesn't really influence what you're doing, it still might. Uh, all our habits, because we've all got lists of them, so everyone that wants to change isn't just going to have one or two things to work on. We all have a multitude of things to work on. Some very, very big. Some not as big by comparison, but they still contribute in their own way. So a bit of homework for yourself is to have a think about uh, a few habits that you know that you've got, that you know are working against you. 
with your weight loss goals, be it gym related, be it with what you're eating, be it you know, emotional eating, binge eating, whatever it is. But now what we want you to do is have a think about it in terms of how this habit loop works. So take one of your habits, write it down and see if you can break it down into three parts. What is the cue or the trigger? What is the routine? What is the reward? Because after the, our next discussion, we're going to start getting more into, okay, now that we can identify the three parts of a habit, what can we then do to actually make it work in our favor? Mm. Sound good? Yes. So we'll, uh, we'll put a full stop on that one for now. All right. There's a lot of information to take in, so I think that's a really good spot to we'll put it this way. We've, we've really just sort of started getting into this, and we're not even close to being done. No. So hence why I knew this would be a multi-part discussion. So that'll end the, the part one of our habits discussion for this episode. The, our very next episode will pick this right back up. Perfect. Courtney, cue the music. Um, oh, it's email time. Let's move on to emails. Thank you. There it is. Uh, we have a very good email here from Dusty. Thanks, Dusty, for sending it through. Delayed response there. Oh, from well, I didn't Courtney. know you were waiting for me. No, I thought okay. you were still speaking. Um, Courtney, Courtney usually falls asleep uh, mid episode. That's okay. We um, still love her. I just fall asleep on the episodes you talk most of the time. Boom. <laughs> Cop that, big boy. Okay. So, Dusty, thank you very much uh, for the email. Hello, Matt and Courtney. My name first. Suck on that one, D. Love Factor Zero. <laughs> Bullshit. Love the podcast. Uh, I've finally caught up on all the episodes. Very well done. That's a lot of listening. Yeah, that's a lot of listing. <laughs> listening. Give you a bit of background. Uh, back in December, I had my snap moment. I wanted to work towards the goal of running a five-kilometer run and perhaps working my way up to a half marathon before the end of 2018. It was something concrete I could work towards while also getting my butt to the gym, getting outside and just moving in general. I trained for the 5K until March and just stalled out. I always started out great, but the more time that passed, the more exhausted I became and I could never really get over that wall and push myself further. I've halted my training for that for various life and health issues that came up. And since I began doing my intense cardio workouts and my high intensity interval training, I've noticed that I excel at these quick, fast paced workouts. Sure, I'm exhausted during the workout and I'm dripping in sweat, but I feel I'm able to keep up with it and bounce back way easier than I did long distance running or training for long distance running. Is this because my body has more efficient fast twitch muscles than slow twitch? Also, I love lap swimming. And from what I know, that form of exercise uses slow twitch muscles, but I don't tire very easily at it like I do at running. And this is where it gets to the real question here. You brought up the question, should you be training and doing other exercises that you are good at? Or should you push yourself to do other forms of exercise that you don't excel at and try and get better at them? Hope that makes sense. Keep up the fantastic work. Love, Dusty. Great question there, Dusty, because that does make sense. I'll start with um, the, just to get the technical part out of the way. 
So you'll find in terms of really struggling at doing the long distance running, there are certain nutritional requirements that come with that and certain recovery requirements where often it is easy to break the body down mm. with that. Um, and then you've also got, in some cases with, with um, certain people, they're you know, talking about fast, slow twitch muscles. Often we're just built to excel at certain things. I know, for example, I am terrible at long distance running. Awful. Yes. Courtney's seen me try it and it's very amusing. Yes. So, yes, you are very, very good at the, uh, the explosive stuff, Dusty, but I suspect most people would be, and it's also rather easily trained. Yeah. It is indeed. Now, the real question here uh, being, should you do exercises you're good at or push yourself to do ones you're not good at? That's the real question here. Now, that's a great question because people often... Don't ask that question and they just automatically go to do exercises More. they're good at. Yeah. Now, there's two ways to answer this question. There is the weight training perspective and there is the cardio perspective. Uh, I'll start with the cardio perspective. Now, what is the name of this podcast? The Weight Loss Podcast. So, we will then discuss cardio exercise from the perspective of I'm doing this because I want to lose weight yes okay fitness versus fat loss are two different things so in terms of cardio exercise and mind you this does sort of touch on the episode we did about how to do your cardio yes um, but just to sort of recap on that one if your goal is to maximize fat loss when it comes to cardio Ideally, you should be doing things you are not good at mm -hmm. because you have to expend more energy to do them. The better you get at something, the fitter you will get in general. So if someone wants to be a long-distance runner, well, over time, as you you know get more training in, feed your body up for it, etc., you'll become very, very good at being a long-distance runner and you'll develop the physique of a long-distance runner. Fantastic. If that's what you want, go for it. But when we're talking about stimulating change where we are improving our body composition, and that's what weight loss is a discussion about. We want to have more muscle mass and less fat. That makes us look very different. Doing cardio exercises and sort of rotating them around and doing things on average that we're not good at is going to make us work harder and stimulate a greater metabolic response, thus burn more energy which is going to help us to, over time, burn more fat. So let's say, I'll use myself as an example. I am very, very good at hill sprints, mm. which, Courtney, you can attest to. Yes. Now, if I keep doing hill sprints up the same hill in the same intervals, doing the same thing time after time, my body's going to become very efficient at it. Yes. I'm going to become fitter at doing those hill sprints, which means I'm going to expend less energy and it's gonna take less of a metabolic toll to actually perform that movement. Yes. However, if I were to mix up the incline of the hills that I go up, mm -hmm. or do things like carry objects, yes, or change my timing, change my work rest timing, yes, all of a sudden I'm asking my body to do something it's not used to doing. 
mm. and it gets hard fast. Now you've experienced this yourself, Courtney, when you and I have done hill sprints together and I've then taken you somewhere different. Yeah, you go to a different location. And you've been totally trashed, as have I. Yeah, absolutely. recently. And sometimes I just even add in different things. I might do a stair training instead of... Instead of a hill, we'll do a set of stairs. A hill. So yeah. that then just changes slightly what the your body has to do to complete that exercise. Yeah, which means you're, you're in this case, the term mixing it up actually has merit yes because more often than not when someone says to me oh i just want to mix it up i actually get the shits yeah it's like mm, in a lot of cases you don't but in this case you actually do it is good to mix it up with with yes the high intensity cardio because you definitely don't want your body getting used to what you're doing no, it sure. becomes easy so in the case of dusty here being very very good at lap swimming um her not doing any swimming for six months and then trying to do like say a 25 to 30 minute time trial is going to destroy her. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing as well. In it'll, a good way. it'll take you a while to get good at that. And then you might have a rest from it again and do do a slightly different style of um, of movement. Or you might stay with the laps and as Matt said, you might change up the timing, the the resting periods. You might decide to do a different stroke, a swim a different stroke that yeah. you're not very good at. Yeah, well said. So not just always doing uh, freestyle you might try to teach yourself breaststroke backstroke, or, backstroke. or backstroke something that you're inefficient at so you're not always looking for the most efficient way to do movements or to do um, high intensity cardio activity because remember you've got a short period of time and you want to utilize that short period of time to be as effective as possible and this is why as well whenever our clients have come to us and back me up on this one dear when they've complained to us, oh, I'm not good at this at this cardio session. I'm terrible at this form of exercise. We're happy. Yeah. And what? Are you, why are you complaining? The shitter you are at that form of cardio, the more of an effect it has on your body, and the more of an effect it has on positive weight loss. Yeah. People say, oh, this sucks. Well, we good. know that's why we did it. Like good. that is why we made you do it. It sucks. We, wor- it sucks for us <laughs> yeah. too. Like we do it, and it sucks. The worse you are at it, and the harder you have to work to do it the more effective it is for you. Now, let's flip the discussion to weight training. That's a different discussion altogether. Yeah, don't mix things up. To mix things up um, with your weight training actually makes it harder. Because the whole idea with weight training, if the discussion is weight loss, we have our we have our exercises that we're focusing on for a program. Let's get stronger at them. Mm-hmm. Because we get stronger at them, we're promoting our, we're pushing our bodies to ideally build more muscle tissue, which then elevates our resting metabolism, which makes it easier to change our body shape, lose weight, etc., etc. Now it's hard to increase your strength at any given movement if you're changing it all the bloody time. Yeah, you need to be very structured when it comes to to weight training. It needs Highly to be structured. very structured, so you can change the exercises, but not during a program or not while you're focusing on a specific thing. So yes, if you're trying to get stronger uh, through your chest and through your shoulders, then you're not going to change up the exercise that you're doing every program. You're going to be trying to get stronger at the same or similar exercises. So you can change exercises, but you definitely wouldn't do it. We wouldn't do it week to week. Actually, you can do it in a program. In terms of adjusting the variation of the exercise. Well, that's true. So someone who's, say for example, uh, split squats, the nightmare exercise for most people. 
someone who is very, very good at them and develops at them very, very fast, like you did yes. when I first met you, Courtney, someone who's very, very good at them, you might say halfway through a program, go, righto, let's now change from a regular split squat to having your back foot elevated on the block. Yeah. To change the angle of it. However, the sort of point I'm getting at here is where you have guys and girls going to the gym and every single week, every single workout, oh, I might do this today, I might do that today. You're, you're removing the benefit of doing it in the first place. There's no structure. And those are the sort of people that often don't write down what they're doing oh, either. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's they just work. go from, from machine to machine to machine, from thing to thing to thing, doing multiple sets. They don't really have a plan of attack. They don't really know why they're doing them. It's, an easy, doing them. it's an easy way to spin your wheels. Yeah. So when it comes to weight training, you actually do want to get good. Have a plan. Uh, yeah. You want to have a plan. You want to get good at certain exercises because it will then allow you to develop your strength. As I said before, develop your strength, increase your metabolism, lose more weight. We call that a win. Yes. Uh, so hopefully that helps. Yeah. Uh, if not, just blame Courtney. Uh, Courtney at weightlosspodcast.com is where much. all the complaints will go. <laughs> if you would like to send us any questions, though, thank you, Dusty, for sending in your question. It was a fantastic question. Yeah, well, well, great question there. And please send in your questions to either uh, the email address, which is podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com, or you can uh, send us a message through f our Facebook page, which is just The Weight Loss Podcast. It is The Weight Loss Podcast. Uh, as we said before, talking about habits, have a think about your habits and have a think about how they relate to the habit loop, the cue, the routine, the reward. We will pick up this discussion in the next episode and start to talk about how to reprogram them. Yes. Hopefully this has helped. We will speak to you soon. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes, and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.